Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, a podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And, you know, we just keep on keeping on getting great guests and we have done it yet again. So uh, uh, the great Kevin Schultz is on with us here from the 357 Company, a logistics um, group extraordinaire uh, and and uh, a great group of humans to hang out with. Hey, Kevin, it's good to have you on, man. Hey, Nick, thanks for having us on. It's really a pleasure. Absolutely. I, I'm uh, <clears throat> will we'll pre-apologize that I'm getting a little um, in uh, wintertime uh, uh, throat scratchiness. But other than that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll plug on through. It hadn't ever stopped me from talking. I can tell you that much. <laughs> so, <it's not> <laughs> so look, <clears throat> Kevin, tell us, uh, <clears throat> I know you're a a Midwestern guy, uh, Chicagoland area guy that is uh, headquartered um, from time to time down in uh, Nash Vegas, somewhere in around the greater Nashville area, yeah. I know back and forth. So give us a little background on you and give us a little background on the company and put into that, tell us about your hemp aha moment. That's always something that we enjoy learning about is how people kind of got into the into the industry. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, myself personally, born and raised in Chicago, one of the, the few guys that could actually say Chicago and mean it inside the Chicago limits, not Naperville, nothing against Naperville, but um, born and raised in Chicago. And as of recent, about a year and a half ago, my family and I moved down to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, two reasons. One, one to relocate the family and also to get boots on the ground here in the Southeast for the company. We thought it was extremely important for that. Um, the other founders of, of the company are up in Chicago still. Uh, obviously, Chicago is a huge logistics hub. Um, Tennessee's quickly becoming a, a huge logistics hub as well. Um, so we thought it was a, a smart move um, to get one of us down here. Um, but really, the, the company's the 357 company in, in the division that you know I think we're primarily speaking about today is our, our 357 hemp logistics division. Um, we started the company in 2019 and, you know, I'll quickly go into that aha moment. Um, prior to starting the company, I was in the cannabis industry, um, working with a couple well-known multi-state operators. Um, we, we secured our licensing in, in Illinois and then quickly expanded nationally. So it allowed me to really, um, touch all facets of the, of that industry operationally out in the field, doing sales and uh, working a lot with the plant too and the raw material. And a big part of that um, job was was transportation from the cultivation centers to the dispensaries. And, and we had things like manifests and seed to sale technology and tracking and tracing and relationships with law enforcement to make that go smoothly. And when I was studying the, the hemp side of the industry and saw the farm bill and, and here we are with the golden ticket to go over state lines, but we didn't have any of those tools to allow for those transportation runs to be compliant uh, simply. Um, and that was really my aha moment and, and quickly became uh, a moment of anxiety for the supply chain because I, I saw it as a as a 
weakness in the supply chain. Whereas if people started to move product over state lines the wrong way, um, drug trafficking charges were now looking them square in the face. So um, the industry is still very much in what I consider a pilot program. Um, although we do have the permission with the farm bill, you know, we all know a new farm bill is coming out in 2023. So the least we could screw up the better. And, and, I, and I thought the biggest liability we had was in transportation. So really that was my aha moment, reason for starting the company. Um, and, and here we are now in year four. Well, that's great. Well, you know, it's you, you saw an opportunity <clears throat> as well as a need, right? I mean, so I mean, somebody had to really figure this out. What what were some of the early on primary barriers really to kind of break through? My guess is just educating law enforcement and other people about what the law really is, particularly maybe. I don't know, maybe the, the further back roads that you went, maybe there were sheriffs and uh, of, uh, local police departments that might not be as clued in as maybe your state police or, you know, your your uh, um, departments of transportation or whoever regulates those carriers. That's a guess on my end. So, yeah, it, it you know, you're, you're, you're spot on education. And I, I think of it in, in a couple different facets. Number one, the first thing we did, one of the first things we did was reach out to every single state that we could get a hold of and, and was open to having meetings with us. And, and, and that consisted of the Department of Ags, law enforcement, um, and, and really anyone in legislation that that we could get, get, get an audience with. And what we wanted to do was understand, A, where their head's at with the, with the program, and B, what were they looking for when we were coming through with product? We were always under the mindset we're above board with everything we're doing. We want them to know we're coming. And what we quickly found out was states, for example, like Florida, had a couple of um, asks of us, you know, checkpoints they wanted us to stop at. Quickly, we realized Delta 9 um, as a line item on a COA wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for the equation that calculates total THC. Um, so we we really wanted to stay out of any gray areas. We always have. Um, so that was a big part of it. And then as we got the, that seat at the table, really try to educate them you know, more on, on, on the industry and, and where, where we thought, um, they, they had a little bit of a learning curve. The other side of that education component was getting our supply chain to realize how important logistics was. Um, you know, the, I think as a consumer, as a consumer, we're, we're, we're kind of skewed with Amazon, bringing everything to the door, a lot of deliveries for free. And here we have a new supply chain that's trying to figure out who are we getting genetics from? Who's my, who's the processor buying my, you know, biomass once I harvest, and and all that stuff's important. But the one thing that we would see with deals would be done without anyone taking responsibility for the charges of, of logistics. And, you know, at times those can be expensive if you're going across country, especially in a dedicated vehicle. So um, I'm, I'm happy to report that now here in year four, um, the supply chain started to realize the importance of having a, an expert, you know, working side by side with them, especially the groups that are starting to scale. You know, we take a lot of that off their to-do list. We handle everything door to door. They have one point of contact. And um, it's been it's been nice to see the logistics get, get a little bit more respect in our supply chain. Well, uh, clue us in on some of the things that are different when you are toting hemp from one end of the or, or, or cannabis, maybe even or whatever that you might be toting. When, what are some things that are different than 
and I'm being a little facetious, but me going down to my UPS uh, local delivery store or, or or calling, putting, you know, calling FedEx to come pick up a box um, and tote it somewhere. What what are some of the things that that people who are in the industry need to be aware? Hey, look, this is all what's involved when you're when you're transporting. Sure. I mean, well, in our SOP, we have a set um, designation of paperwork, things like the COA, the business license for the for the shipper and the receiver. Um, you know, JP who runs operations has a couple of different asks of, of our customers, too, that we think, um, you know, keeps us a little bit more secure when, when we're moving the product. Um, we build in um, a, a couple extra pr- protections. Um, that we ask our drivers to follow because um, let's face it, it's a product that can be um, thought of as cannabis and, and, and the value uh, misinterpreted for, for the, for the thieves. Um, so, you know, that, that's something that's, that we, we take pride in, you know, as we built our SOPs out to protect, ultimately protect our customers uh, investment. Um, a big thing that's different is we have real hemp cargo insurance. Um, that is something we, we think it's extremely important. Um, you know, God forbid something happens over the road. We want our partners to be able to put in a real claim and and get reimbursed for the value of their product. And, you know, so much so that we include $75,000 worth of value complimentary. Um, they are able to go over that limit for a small fee. Um, but it's, it's things like that, that I think FedEx and UPS, uh, you know, if they will ship that your hemp shipment, take for granted. I think the the increase in the, the chances of theft with those major carriers is is, is much more than when you're working with a group like us that's running on dedicated vehicles. Um, we do have what we call a feeder network. Um, as we start to ship more industrial product for the supply chain, there are smaller shipments um, that are just going on one pallet. Um, so we will commingle the freight a little bit, um, but not do it to the extensivity of a typical LTL shipment, um, which we think just really increases the chances of something going wrong when a truck. No, is what does that mean, LTL? LTLs in in the freight industry is when you ship a pallet and that truck goes along the way to your destination and stops nine, 10 different times and picks up Ah. other freight. A lot of times pulling your freight off the truck, putting that freight back on and, you know, your freight could sit on a loading dock for a period of time. So, you know, with our tracking and tracing methods, you know, we, we like to stay away from those types of shipments for anything in in the hemp industry um, for obvious reasons. We, we do that in our general cargo side of the business, but, um, so when folks do, we realize though cost is, is, is a, is a major concern, you know, in folks budget. So when the value of the load is under a certain amount and it is small enough, um, in the, in the, in the customer doesn't have the budget to go on a dedicated vehicle, we'll put it on a, a vehicle that'll stop, but not stop as much as your typical LTL truck will. Gotcha. And so, so educating <clears throat> that network in addition to your own drivers is probably been a learning curve to do as well. Just what is a COA? What the heck does that mean? And how to read one? Because I'm, I'm guessing any number of members of the law enforcement community, unless they've had a reason at a, at a checkpoint or, or whatever, they probably, they may not even be familiar with what a COA is or what the document actually is telling them, right? Yeah, it, it, our paperwork is is really um basic and thorough and and uh, and and really we want that 
police officer to really handhold them as much as possible with the paperwork when they encounter paperwork. You know, we use things like QR codes and letters from attorneys and, and you know, whatever it, it takes at that moment of our drivers being pulled over. And we've been pulled over. We've had checkpoints that drivers have had to go through. And um, we, we've always had the mindset of let, let's let's act as if we are in court. And um, and, and it seems to have worked well for us. Um, we we want to always stay above board and be transparent but you know i'll tell you the labs are 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 a weakness in our supply chain as well you know we've ran into some labs that we felt have been uh forged um and and not accurate and um and we've passed on those loads um and, and it's something i advocate for hard in the industry is getting one source of truth for this paperwork and and really to help the folks that are in the supply chain putting final product out even is what's the where, where's this product come from you know from back to where you know it was planted into the ground and you know not just for me as as someone who you know probably the biggest risk is us shipping hot product and not knowing it um so i'm really advocating hard for the industry to get on some sort of a track and trace seed to sale seed to consumer type of standardization where you know we can we can count on that that paperwork being accurate and look back at its life and and, and know that it hasn't been uh, messed with at all. Yeah, that's that. And then how you would, I mean, once even if the industry were to set a standard that everybody kind of agreed to and just said, well, this is what we've all agreed to is the right way to do it. You still have an education curve, I guess, as well, then to take that standard again back to law enforcement and others. Sure. To have, we've got this standard. This is what we're doing. Hopefully you would have some of them on some kind of super cool task force or something yeah. like that to help facilitate that. Because what you guys are doing, Kevin, is you're you're trying to, you know, there are always people in an industry anywhere that are going to cut corners and do silly stuff and 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 things that they shouldn't do. And you guys are going above and beyond to make sure to go, oh, whoa, 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 that's not the way we're doing it. And so there's enough to fight the bad apples in addition to having to educate just folks on how it works. So you guys have come a long way. Um, I mean, and some, you know, as as um, a friend of mine used to say, sometimes you get educated and sometimes you get schooled, right? And so, <laughs> I <laughs> you've like probably that. been schooled and educated, right? Yeah. You know, since day one, you know, our mindset has always been everything we do has to have the longevity of the supply chain in mind. Um, there's going to be plenty of money to be made. But if we all don't make it to that point where we're off and running, uh, you know, as a supply chain together, you know, none of us are going to make it. So, um, you know, I, I wish I could say that everybody that we encounter has that same mindset, but um, what's encouraging is there's more and more pros that we're working with, you know, not just domestically, but internationally too, that are doing things the right way. And, and we tend to find each other. It just takes a minute to find each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's heck, man. That's half the hemp industry right there is figuring out, you know, <laughs> who's real and who's not and who's full of horse feathers. And, and you know, one way to figure it out is if you meet somebody and you see them again in six months and they're still in the business, yeah. that, that separates a lot of people out, doesn't it? I mean, just that are <laughs> a part of that. Well, tell me more about that insurance. It's very interesting. Um, uh, you're talking about insurance that uh, you guys carry on your trucks. I don't mean just liability insurance or, you know, uh, uh, I'm just saying about the cargo itself. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know, in order to run a truck, you know, you got to have your basic hundred thousand dollars of cargo insurance. Basic cargo insurance policies do not have hemp derived products written into the policy. That was something that we had to go and get vetted on, and we got vetted on pretty hard um, back in 2019. And and uh, testament to my partners who are the logistics pros. You know, the first thing they said to me was, "You got a great idea, but how do we how do we cover this stuff? God forbid the truck gets in an accident, we're shipping two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of whatever. Um, You know, so that's something that I don't think a lot of folks realize in the supply chain when they are just calling a a regular trucking company and that truck comes in to pick up their hemp. I don't even think they're asking those questions. And and further to that, we're, we're hearing folks come to us after the fact and say, yeah, they, they said they had $100,000 worth of cargo insurance, but they failed to mention hemp wasn't covered. Um, so there's some so, some intentional misleading too as well. Um, on the international level, we see class of freight being conveniently um, designed to get it past, let's say, the DEA and 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 uh, customs to you know successfully complete the delivery. However, you know, God forbid something happened on those runs. You know, that class of freight might have been um, you know gardening or, or what have you, where where you wouldn't be able to put a claim in as well. So that's something that you know we have on all of our trucks that run. The some of the supply chain is under the impression that whatever insurance they have, let's say on the farm, on their product extends while the product is over the road. And, and that, that we, we can't find that that's the case. Um, so that's something that we encourage, you know, anyone who's getting ready to ship product that's under the impression their current liability insurance or product insurance that they have extends while it's over the road, they should ask those questions of their carrier and make sure. Um, But, you know, with us, you're going to get it on the dedicated vehicles. The insurance does not cover product that's shipped commingled with other freight just because the the risk goes up quite a bit of potential loss. Um, But it's something that gives our our partners peace of mind. Um, You know, we've had to put in a couple claims before and, and, and our partners have been reimbursed the full amount of what the value was so that, that that's cool there you go it's a, and this is just my ignorance does if if i wanted to make sure that i had not just the insurance on your dedicated vehicles that i'm able to get because you've got this essentially a rider on a policy rider or, right. or something that's on that <clears throat> but um if i wanted to pay depending on what i'm shipping I mean, the value of a bale of hemp going to a processor is altogether different than the bioplastics or the or, sure. the, or, or the you know herd coming out of the back end, right? And so, right. <clears throat> does that factor into the to those insurance pieces? So the the value that the insurance company is going to consider is the value in the current state of the product. Um, you know, we had some folks early on that would say, "Oh, this stuff's worth a million five and and really it was still in oil, and they were taking the retail price of what those tinctures would have sold for at retail. and And I get it. Um, but when you're going to put in the claim, it, it's the value of the state of the product it's in. So if someone has sold that biomass to a processor, that would be the value um, that they'd be able to put the claim in on. So, um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of, you know, sweat and, and time that's gone into, you know, coming up with that biomass that's going to ultimately create a more valuable product. But if the product was destroyed for any reason, it's going to be the value of the state it was currently in. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. 
All right. Well, well, <clears throat> give us a um, give us a, uh, one of your uh, more interesting stories of of uh, uh, you don't have to say who they were or where they were or but um, what were some of the more interesting things that you might have found <clears throat> uh, your drivers or any of your folks in your company as you were. Um, on yeah. the early stages of hauling hemp from one spot to the next. You know, it, what's interesting is a, a lot of these folks don't have shipping departments. So, you know, we're used to shipping general cargo freight where you go in, you have a time to go in, you have a loading dock, you have folks that load the trucks. And one thing that especially my operations team had to get used to was and, and do a little bit more of handholding is there may not be someone there when that truck shows up, you know, so really working hard to communicate with where we're going to pick it up to make sure that when the driver gets there, he's able to get loaded. Um, I could think back to the beginning, we'd show up and there'd be nobody there, you know, and, and you're going up to remote parts of Montana and, you know, a guy's calling a guy to open the gate. And, you know, it was really, really an interesting time. Um, you know, the other things I could think of that were challenging is, you know, when the brokers are involved and, you know, you and I are the, you're, you're the farmer, I'm the processor and someone brokered the deal and, and, and in the bill charged for transportation. So me and you have, you know, done our deal. We've paid our, 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 our amount of money that we're is due. And that broker turns around and, and stiffs the transportation company. Um, you know, so I, I highly suggest that whoever is selling the product also works in the freight, in the charges and just works with a company like ours because what happens in that case is if that broker needs to go to collections, everybody on the BOL goes. So the farmer and the processor goes in as well to collections. And here they are paying the tab already and someone ghosted the transportation company and now they're all getting pulled in and, and it's a finger pointing game at that point. So um, the ones that we see that are doing it right are that are selling product are including freight they're working with a group like us and and the price is factored in and you know what that does is that ensures that delivery is going to happen and it's going to go successfully your customer then is going to want to do business with you again because it was really smooth um there's that thought in the in the supply chain that if i just wipe my hands of this when it leaves my dock I'm good and I'm, you know, and, and, and I could take a deep breath. But really, when you're counting on the person buying the product from you to arrange the logistics and have that all go smooth, chances are you're going to have more headaches. You won't be responsible on paper, but you're going to be involved. And gosh forbid that 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 buyer goes out of business because of something that happened, you know, with the transport. He's not coming back and buying from you again. So make sure it goes smooth, good experience, work with a pro and ensure that the money you're paying for the transportation makes it to the transportation company there you go there you yeah. go <clears throat> well well um all right so as we round <clears throat> this year out and we're starting to look for 2024 and the farm bill coming up and all the rest of that besides getting kind of on the same sheet of music as you mentioned about about you know that everybody understands there's a standard at least that the industry accepts as a standard of, of the right way to <clears throat> ship and what all that means and how to do logistics and, and to do transportation if you had your magic wand and could wave it and get um uh, uh have a wish granted uh, that you said i really wish this could change because this would really help the industry out and be able to you know make things work better what would that be uh working gas prices being you know at two cents a gallon other than that 
honestly, it's work in progress uh, product. Um, we get asked daily to ship crude, and and you know we're cheering for the industry, and 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 I, I firmly believe that the supply chain needs to be able to work together with you know all, all the product in all different states that it's in, um, as far as THC level goes, as long as it's being further remediated back down to a compliant level. Um, crude comes across our desk all the time, and it's one point three percent THC, one point eight. And we don't ship it because, you know, we there's nothing in writing that we have found that is concrete that says if you get pulled over and the wrong sheriff gets you, that they can't take you to court to go explain yourself. Um, so I think it's it's it, to think that the supply chain could work with everybody that they need to within their own state boundaries is is silly. So I'm, I'm hoping with the new farm bill work in progress product is is granted to ship over state lines. Um, you know, I, I, I would hope they say, you know, ship with a group like us that knows what they're doing. And um, and I just think the supply chain is going to be able to um, scale quicker when that is allowed. I, I know the stuff's being shipped right now, um, but I think back to, you know, moving forward, say a couple of years when audits start happening, you know, how do you justify as a, you know, a co-packer or someone who's putting out a final product where they got the raw material to make that product? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where did it come from? Show me the records on how you got it here. You know, those, those are all questions that eventually are going to come of our supply chain once we really get validated. So um, thinking way ahead, I, I, I'd like that to be approved. And then ultimately goes back to that track and tracing and seed to say, type blockchain or wherever one source of truth this paperwork sits on so we can start operating as a real you know legit supply chain so that would be it and then the other you know part two of that answer to that question is you know work with us we're from the supply chain we're your peers we started this company specifically to give you a friend in that supply in that logistics component and it breaks my heart when I hear you know the the big billion dollar freight forwarder or or freight broker is you know getting the call to to ship product you know we're we're here we're we're with you you know we're part of part of the industry and we ask that you give us a shot and and we know that if we get a shot we won't let you down uh most of our business comes from referrals so um that would be it yeah that would be my two wishes well how would people that's those are great wishes and we hope they come true Uh, (laughs) um what about um how do folks get in contact with you who are interested and want to know that You're not just any old regular shipping company. You're a company that cares about this industry. Sure. As you said that you y'all have been, you were here since country before country was cool, right? I mean, you were <laughs> you were trying to make this stuff um, uh, work, and you and and you give back to the industry. You you donate, you participate, and um, I can just tell you from our perspective, uh, we appreciate the fact that you were doing that. Um, that the company does that. So how do we get in contact with you if we want to call you up to ship our stuff? Well, thank you. Um, you can call us at 844-357-SHIP, which is 7447. Or the best way, honestly, is to go to our website. We just released a new version of our website. We're pretty proud of it's uh, 357company.com. Real simple. Company spelled out, right? Uh, yes. It's 357company.com. Um, you can go on there. It's really easy to request a quote. Um, I 
take all of our hemp and cannabis customers first. I, I, I call them first. So you're going to be talking with me. And part of that is to get to know your business model, what your service requirements are, uh, give you a little background on the company. And I, I think that really reassures folks. And, and it's sometimes it's unexpected that I have such a history in the industry and, and, and an understanding of the product. We understand, we know the product. Um, and, and I think quickly that helps people feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and then they get passed on to JP who runs operations and is just the best at service and is going to make sure that you're, you know, not overspending on on a truck that's too big for, for the load you're trying to ship. So he'll model that for you. We'll model the route, um, the time of day we're going to pick up and go through all those particulars and, and ultimately track and trace the load with you the entire way. So, um, so I would say, go to our website, shoot us a quick message on the get a quote portion, and uh, you'll be hearing from us really quick. And, uh, uh, we're looking forward to also making introductions. We touch all aspects of the supply chain. And once we get to know you and we know you're real and, and legit, and we're happy to make some intros on folks that we think might help grow your business. And the busier you are, the busier we are. So that, there you uh, go. Uh, I can testify to that. You've certainly done that for the co-op before. And, and uh, 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 it's appreciated and, yeah, and cool. it's valued. The, the fact that you're willing to say, well, you know, I know a gal that does that. Hold on just a second. Let me, let me connect you folks. So, For sure. Um, that's a terrific thing to do. <laughs> hey, Kevin Schultz, the 357 company, also doing hip logistics, cannabis logistics. Um, uh, you want to get it from point A to point B, <laughs> he's your guy. So go back to 357 company c-o-m-p-a-n-y.com we'll put it in the show notes as well so that people can be able to click on that and learn more about um hemp logistics and and uh, what's involved in all that thank you man thanks for Nick. You, for thanks for having done, me on what you continue to do and if folks are interested in learning more about the national hemp growers cooperative you can go back to our website at nationalhempcoop.us and here's some previous episodes of the podcast, as well as learn more about what we do, how we do, and how we spend our time focused on building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. Until next time, thanks. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.